setting fire to the stoner stereotype. Sparking up candid conversations with cannabis researchers, entrepreneurs, and advocates. Educator, author, and advocate Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Please welcome the host of Burning Issues, Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Welcome back to Burning Issues, where we burn away the cannabis myths with science. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine, author of the Oxford University Press book, Understanding Marijuana, and as many of you know, I pen the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Today, I'm extremely excited to talk with Melissa Slavin, a delightful and informative guest with some new data on cannabis and menopause. Melissa has a master's degree in psychology and she's currently in the doctoral program at the University at Albany. Melissa Slavin, welcome to the show. Thank you. So years ago, I had a friend, and I asked her, who should I talk to about, you know, questions about women's health? And she said, you might as well ask a vet. Basically, women's health has been sort of behind men's health and all the research. And so I just want to let you know, I really appreciate you spearheading this kind of research. Mm-hmm. No problem. It's really exciting and definitely excited to share these results with everyone. Super. Well, so can you give us a feel just what is menopause really? Essentially, the way that we conceptualize it in this study, it's made up of a variety of symptoms that we looked at treating. So specifically, the menopause symptoms that we're focusing on, uh, joint muscle discomfort, irritability, sleep problems, depression, anxiety, hot flashes, sex problems, heart discomfort, exhaustion, vaginal dryness, and bladder problems. Generally, these symptoms appear during menopause, and this is something that is usually a problem for a lot of women and needs better treatment. That's interesting because, I mean, I think of it as kind of the, you know, the reduction in hormones creating hot flashes is kind of the hallmark symptom. You make it sound like these are all hanging together. I mean, do these tend to hang together in that a person who has one often has others? Yeah, so currently most of our treatments actually do focus a lot on mainly hot flashes, but there are so many other symptoms that are part of menopause and that cause even more discomfort. And a lot of these symptoms do influence hot flashes as well. So it, it all does kind of hang together and it's important to treat them holistically. I mean, I get the sense that if you're having trouble sleeping, then you're bound to be irritable and then it's just going to be downhill from there. Is that a fair sort of assessment? Right, and irritability and anxiety may lead to hot flashes or a greater likelihood that a person might experience hot flashes, so exactly. Okay, and then, I mean, I know the first step had always been just, hey, let's shove the hormones back in there and hope for things to disappear. Has that been one of the treatments of choice? Hormone replacement therapy is still used. It, again, just focuses specifically mainly on hot flashes. So it has been shown to work, you know, in some cases, but we're not even really sure of the role that estrogen plays in hot flashes. So it's kind of controversial, and and it does have a lot of risky side effects, cardiovascular risks, a lot of different cancers. So it, it really hasn't been working that well as a treatment right now. That's curious. And then I've heard apparently some antidepressants are also used. Is that... So again, mainly for the treatment of hot flashes, we have antidepressants that have been used. And again, we're not even entirely sure about the mechanism behind that that is helping hot flashes. 
there's also side effects as well, like sexual dysfunction, which is already an issue with menopause in general. So it's something that, you know, if we could stay away from that and have a safer and more effective treatment, then we'd probably want to go that route. I should be honest, I'm uncomfortable discussing vaginal dryness and all this, but this is important. And so I really have to get this out there. I mean, if you've got basically a disorder that's creating sexual problems, then to put an SSRI on top of that, which we know makes inorgasmia happen and things like that, just it seems like a real mess. Exactly, exactly. There was at least one herbal medication that looked like it had some promise. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so in this study, specifically, we're referring to medical marijuana for menopause. That's the herbal treatment you're referring to? Indeed. Yeah, so... Basically, we took a look at that and we saw that a lot of the symptoms that medical marijuana has already been shown to treat are consistent with menopause symptoms. So we figured, you know, if it's already treating irritability, it's already treating a lot of these symptoms that are a part of menopause, why not try it on these menopausal women? Joint muscle discomfort, sleep problems, even depression and anxiety. So that's, that's the herbal treatment that we wanted to kind of test out, see if these women were using marijuana for menopause symptoms specifically and how they felt it was working for them. And I know that you gathered at least some of these data online. Do you see sort of pros and cons for that approach? So it definitely allows people to feel more honest um, in reporting their answers. We definitely, I think that's a major benefit. Also, from the comfort of their own home, they're not, you know, filling out a lot of these questions, not only just about marijuana use, but just some of these issues are really personal. And so someone might not feel so comfortable doing this, you know, in front of others, in front of a researcher. So it's, it's a good format for especially this population. You know, I like that a lot. Back in the 80s, Mendelssohn and Mello did one of the first sort of post-menopausal cannabis administrations. And unfortunately, I think they had six or eight participants. Sounds like you can get a lot more this way. Oh, yeah. So we have 115 women in this study specifically, but definitely it allows you to get a lot more participants and a faster amount of time. And again, the, the results too, just the quality of it, many times are a lot more honest and able to be used in, in a good survey. So I know you must have assessed these symptoms you mentioned, but can you tell us what else you measured in the study? Sure. So generally, we ask these women about their menopause symptoms, the ones that I had listed previously. We ask them about their marijuana use, so both frequency as measured by days per month, as well as quantity, which we assess through intoxication. We ask them about their expectancies that they hold towards marijuana treating each of these symptoms and any cannabis-associated problems that they might have. And generally, what we found that these women all reported having these symptoms and that they, they all reported meaningful expectancies that marijuana would treat each one of these symptoms except for bladder problems. We then did a little bit more research into that and found that they held significantly greater expectancies towards marijuana treating joint muscle discomfort, irritability, sleep problems, depression, and anxiety and even hot flashes over the other symptoms such as sex problems, heart discomfort, exhaustion, vaginal dryness, and bladder problems. So this is pretty consistent with prior medical marijuana research, kind of what we expected. The hot flashes is something interesting and definitely what we were referring to before about all of these symptoms influencing one another. It's definitely something to look into in greater detail to figure out what, what mechanism it may, may be behind that with the hot flashes. I mean, this seems like it shows a lot of promise to me. When I think of sort of behavioral interventions for hot flashes, it's usually 
put a fan in the bedroom and don't smoke cigarettes or something like that. So I mean, it, it's, it sounds like we're, we're really sort of breaking some ground as far as that stuff is concerned. Now, mm-hmm. it seems like you're implying that certainly some symptoms do better than others. I mean, nobody's expecting marijuana to help with vaginal dryness, but are there a couple that you think, hey, these are definitely the ones that cannabis helps most? Yeah, so again, I would definitely say the ones that it's already been, the research has already pretty much found results for. So again, just the joint muscle discomfort, irritability, sleep problems, depression, anxiety. So those were the ones that were really highly endorsed. And then we have that that hot flash as something to consider in the future. All right. Well, as my cannabis radio brother, Vivian McPeak, would say, we've got to pause for the cause because there are flaws in the laws. So we'll be right back with more burning issues. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. Right? <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back with Melissa Slavin, who's talking about cannabis and menopause and women's health more generally. So it sounds like so far we've got self-report data on menopausal symptoms in a sample over 100. And women seem to report joint and muscle type relief, but less on the bladder problems and vaginal dryness. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, generally, that's definitely a fair summary. And do you feel like the problems were measured? Why would you look at that? So we assessed the mediated effect of expectancies on this association. So once we found that menopause symptoms were associated with more use per month, we then wanted to see whether or not these expectancies might account for this relationship. So once we did find that there was in fact a mediating relationship between the expectancies mediated the relationship between symptoms and use, we wanted to see if any of this would be related to problems. Obviously, if we're going to propose this as a possible treatment option, we would want to have it 
you know, minimize the amount of problems and risks associated. So we did a regression analysis. Wait, wait, and, wait let, me, yeah. let me jump in here because I'm curious sort of what are the stereotypical cannabis problems that are assessed in something like this? So we assessed a lot of family problems, relationship problems, problems with one's self-esteem, feeling bad, procrastination, finances. But it was actually, it's an adapted version of the cannabis-associated problem scale that's unlikely to show bias against women. So we did it specifically for this study. A lot of other ones, let's say withdrawal, medical issues, productivity. So there's a bunch in there that all can relate to you know, just using cannabis if there was a problem at all with their use. These are all the problems that would be covered. So I understand how you might want to make sure that the cannabis use that's helping menopause symptoms isn't somehow creating other problems. I -hmm. notice you've got withdrawal in here, and we've discussed this with some of our other guests over the months. Is there a cannabis withdrawal, do you think? In terms of, I mean, with this study, we haven't really specifically found that, any sort of withdrawal for that. I'm not really, you know, I can speak for this study and say that we we haven't found that, but in terms (laughs) of... (laughs) So, I mean, I think it's interesting because I feel like when we say withdrawal, a lot of times folks think of heroin and throwing up and muscle twitches and stuff like that, whereas what this might be is modest irritability in response to not having any cannabis. Right. So, it definitely would be a different, completely, you know, a whole different type of thing completely, but... So are Again, we creating yeah. these these horrible withdrawal symptoms? Are we getting these ridiculous problems in, in relation to how much people expect cannabis to help menopause? No. So actually, we found that the symptoms, the menopause symptoms, the expectancies that people had towards cannabis helping um, menopause symptoms, and even frequency of use, none of that was associated with any of these problems. So basically, you know, it's saying that if, especially if your expectancies are in line with the supported research, you're using um, the medical marijuana for the right purpose and, you know, you can use without experiencing any of these problems. The only variable that we found associated with problems was intoxication in this study, which we used as a proxy for quantity. That's kind of still to be determined and we're going to be doing future work on that to, to see what that relationship is. But essentially what that is saying as well is if you keep quantity to a minimum, then that can reduce the risk for problems. I mean, if I'm understanding these regressions right, in fact, somebody could use a small amount each evening and essentially treat menopause symptoms without developing any problems. Is that a fair summary? Right. So that's that's kind of what this study um, found is that they definitely can be using more frequently and not experience problems. And particularly if these expectancies are in line with current research, then it definitely lowers the risk even further. And then I know you got some funding for this, which really stunned me. Can you talk a little bit about that process and the funding? Yes, we just described the need for more work on women's research in menopause and just women's problems in general and using medical marijuana as an alternative that's safe and that's effective. So we were able to get a women's grant for this study that was able to support some of the funding for it. I'm blown away and delighted by that. And it seems like then this has sort of been the springboard for another set of data related to women's health. Can you tell us what you're working on now? Sure. So currently we're repeating a similar design with PMS and PMDD symptoms. So we know that this is... Hang on, what's PMDD? Premenstrual dysphoric disorder. 
So basically, it's very similar to PMS, just a little bit more severe in the symptoms. And that's what we're getting at. I mean, a lot of the symptoms actually are are similar with these menopause symptoms. We have the irritability, depression, sleep problems. So that's something that we're going to be looking at in PMDD and PMS and see whether or not cannabis is being, medical marijuana is being used and whether or not people feel that it's helping. Excellent, excellent. So it seems like we're at least at the sort of self-report level of data. Do you ever imagine a randomized clinical trial where something like this might happen? That's definitely something we're looking into. I think that would be really, really great to be able to support these results and show that there's even more evidence out there that this is a safe and effective treatment for people. So we are looking into that, and this way it might be a little bit more behavioral in nature, the study, they could, uh, they could log these behaviors directly in a journal or just be able to track it a little bit more quantitatively and directly. So it's definitely something we're looking into. It may be a, a few miles down the road, but I, I'm delighted that we're even getting the chance to, to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, do you feel like there's a way to pitch this to emphasize that you know men should make sure their taxes are funding this kind of work too? <laughs> I mean, in no, truth, I guess, I guess we'll all benefit if, if the women are in a better mood or, or you know, yeah, less I, and stuff like that. Of course, yeah. It's definitely really important research for everyone all around. Obviously, like, these women have relationships and family members and, you know, people that they're around every day that it's, it's going to be impacting the, their lives as well. So this research is really, really pivotal for, you know, all the people that are involved in these women's lives and, yeah, just, just helping these women be, feel, be safe and feel that they have more options than the current treatment options out there for menopause. Well, I, I do admit I'm, I'm a little frightened by the notion that the hormone therapy is related to a couple of different kinds of cancers. So it seems like mm-hmm. here's a chance to treat those symptoms without having to, to take those kinds of risks. And exactly. I really am excited about these PMS data and it's, it's hard as a man to even discuss PMS, but it seems like those variations in hormones that do cause some of the physical symptoms that might inspire some of the psychological ones. I just can't thank you enough for taking a look at this. I'm sure. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We'll be right back with our next chapter of self-compassion in the art of activism. Stay tuned for more burning issues. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. Hurry, its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. 
Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. You could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Burning Issues. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine with our next chapter of Self-Compassion in the Art of Activism. Here's the part of our show that encourages all our listeners to take good care of themselves and each other. Hey, I, I got a sweet email from a listener who really relished that 5 to 1 ratio material we talked about when Diane Fornbacher was our guest a few months back. Some of you will remember that 5 to 1 ratio comes from research on married couples who stay together for a long time. Researchers initially thought that maybe long-term couples stay long-term simply because they never fight and never criticize, which sounded to me like it'd be completely impossible. But in fact, it turns out that married folks who stay married had their share of disagreements and criticism just like anybody else, but they also had a ton of positives on top. They showed at least five times as many good experiences for every bad one. So for every critique, they had five compliments. For every argument, they had at least five nice walks around the block or picnics in the park. So it's a good habit for us to keep in mind when we interact with anybody. And why not a great way to keep our relationships going? Well, Nate from Nashville emailed and asked if there was anything else from the research on couples that might help us all out. And, in fact, there is. Two of the biggest names in couples research are these guys, Bob Levinson and John Gottman. And I got to confess, they partly did this simply because they weren't having very good luck finding partners. So these guys would bring couples into the lab and then wire them up with electrodes to measure heart rate and sweating and other signs of arousal. And then literally just had them argue, had them talk about a topic that was difficult to discuss. Then they fouled them up and just see who stays married, who gets divorced. They were way ahead of their time, too, and I'm happy about this because they did a great job of getting same-sex couples who were committed into the study, too. So I'll try to mix my gendered pronouns here, but all of these ideas apply to all of us, no matter what our gender or our partners. So basically, somebody put Dr. Gottman on the spot and said, you've got 30 seconds, tell me the secret to a great relationship. And so he thought for about 20 seconds and then blurted, know your partner's dreams. Know your partner's dreams. Wow, it sounds so simple, but as we think about it, you can imagine the closeness, the intimacy involved in just knowing each other's dreams. And sharing significant personal dreams with somebody, you've got to show a lot of trust. So supporting someone else's dreams just might be one of the nicest things you can do, and it's a wonderful contribution to the potential for your relationship. So does your partner want to write a book someday? Does your partner want to run a marathon? 
Does your partner want to have a podcast? Would he or she be safe to tell you about these things, especially without any fear of laughter or ridicule? I've got some conjecture about sharing dreams. I think part of the reason it works is that couples who share dreams start to envision a future together. Things change when you look ahead, a year ahead, five years ahead. Suddenly, you're thinking about that person in there with you. And then there's nothing magical about it. Envisioning the future together guides your decisions. If you see that person in there with you, you consider that person as you form your dreams. So if you know your partner wants to be a parent or wants to live near family or wants to excel at work, suddenly you've got an explanation for his or her actions. Suddenly, the way your partner behaves starts to make more sense. If she's up every morning running or she's up late at night working, you know why. And then once you've got the big picture, once you understand their dreams in the big sense, irrational stuff like morning runs or late night work sessions suddenly fall into place. Suddenly don't seem so irrational at all. So you get better at guessing what your partner will do, and then you know what you've signed up for. Knowing your partner's dreams is just one part of what Gottman calls the love map. All right, This has nothing to do with rolling around naked in paint and canvas. It's really the picture you have in your head of your partner's hopes and goals and fears and worries. You might know your partner's favorite candy bar or daily routine. You know to call after a doctor's appointment. Or you know to keep the house quiet the night before a big meeting. In a sense, you kind of know your partner's days and nights. And that's the kind of sharing that seems to keep partners together. So listen to your partner's dreams and share your own in great detail. It might be the first step to making more of those dreams come true. Hey, thanks so much for sharing the Burning Issues dream here at CannabisRadio.com. You can also find us on iHeartRadio and iTunes. My enthusiastic thanks to producer extraordinaire Brasco and our guest, Melissa Slavin of the University at Albany. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Follow your heart and let the data be your guide. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.